All right, welcome to Newcastle Music Talk. I'm your host, Simon Threadgate. We're on episode two now. If you missed our first episode with Troy Scary, check it out. It is available online. Uh, if this is your first listen to the show, the idea essentially is that we're going to talk to people involved in the local music scene, uh, people actively involved, people have who have been involved in the past, and just get an understanding of their experiences playing music locally, nationally, internationally, where applicable. Uh, just pick their brains a little bit, I guess. Today's episode is with the mighty Steve Simmons, or Simo as he's known to most. Uh, Simo is a singer of Maitland band Mischling, who have been playing sporadically for the last 20 years or so in Newcastle, Maitland and surrounds. And he's also spent brief periods in Henry Zanger and Cryogenic, uh, some of the bigger names of the, uh, the, the uh, early 2000s Australian heavy music. Uh, he's also had a long list of projects, including bands like Road Closed Hunted, Making Belief, Cigars for the Man, and he's got a current project called Whatever. Uh, he's made some great music, just a really intense front man, huge vocal power, and a hell of a character. Um, a bit of a technical note for this episode that my gear uh, shit itself towards the end of the chat. So Lost Forever is our conversation about conspiracy theories and LSD. But what we have left is a great yarn about his experiences, background, thoughts on the local scene, uh, missing out on getting to travel to the States with Cryogenic after a car accident he was involved in. Um, lots of cool stories, lots of laughs. Check it out. We'll have some links to his music in the episode description as well. So you can have a listen to Simo in action. Uh, again, it's early days for our podcast. So if you do have any feedback on what we do, how we can do it better, suggestions for people we should interview, let us know. Um, check us out on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Newcastle Muso Talk. Um, yeah, let us know any feedback anything that you've got to uh, to add to us. So pretty much without any further ado, here's our chat with Steve Simo-Simmons. Enjoy. Yep. Yeah, born yep. and bred. Born and bred in Maitland. Yep. Spent a bit of time at Mackay for a yeah, while. Yeah, last, yeah, few, like four years from, well, 2011 to 16, so five years. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. You had a bit of time in, uh, in Canberra. Canberra as well. Yeah, went down there in 2000. Yep. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Um, was the sort of music that you were raised on by your parents? What was your that musical background from home? Yeah, well, that's pretty interesting. That goes right back to talking say things that i didn't know until later years yeah. i didn't know what the songs were who the band was but you just knew that you'd heard that and i knew i'd heard that and uh yeah even yeah i used to uh sit in my bedroom and listen to stuff that the old man was playing he had one humdinger of a stereo yeah yeah so we'd um he'd play I found one of the songs that he'd played, and I'd never realised till I was about twenty that it was Cashmere. Yeah, yeah. But Zeppelin, Zeppelin yeah. yeah, yeah. And that was I'd sing along with that in my room, just the yeah. and try and sing along with that whole <laughs> big note that he holds in the middle of yeah, that yeah. song, you know. Yeah, yeah. So there's a bit of heavy music right from the start. There, you're... yeah. There was yeah. He played oh, "Sweet Child in Time" was. Often on the uh, fuck yeah, what a song! You know, oh man, and Highway Star, you know. Yeah. So it was, <laughs> it was all of that old stuff. He was, he was a drummer when he was young. Yep. So he was right into marching band style stuff yep. or open handed drumming, and so you know the cream and stuff like that. But yeah, yeah. Yeah, never, never really got to hear a lot of him playing that stuff. Yep. But he had it. He had it there, and yeah, and it would take. For him to not be there, I'd just put the record on and discover it, you know. Yeah, have a listen while he's not there without him. Yeah, Totally, man, <laughs> totally. Um, with um, getting into heavy music there, what was sort of the catalyst for you with you getting into, you know, away from your, everyone gets away from their old man's collection at some point. What was the sort of breaking point for you where you went off and said this is... I uh, I think I went through me ACDC Angels yep. era and... You know, it had been, I guess I had really grew up listening to things like Queen 
and stuff like that by myself, like Bowie and stuff like that, and was all of that, that sort of style. Yeah. And so I was a massive Mercury fan. Yeah, yeah. But it was more, um, I think, really what rattled the cage was Teen Spirit, the first time I heard yeah, Teen yeah. Spirit, yeah. you know, the first time I ever heard it played on radio. Mm. And, yeah, and it went from there. Unlike sort of that you would have heard on radio up until that point, really. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and that was, you know, everything else was, oh, you know, Screaming Jets were on the verge of doing something really good. Yep. And living in England was the first time I'd really got to experience double kicks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, yeah, when... All those pieces fall yeah, together. And... Yeah, and, you know, I'd, I hadn't discovered that American scene, really. Yep. But as soon as I hit Nirvana, then it went Alice in Chains. Yeah, yeah. Suicidal Tendencies. Yep. And, you know, then it all started to come out. branch you know? off from there. Yeah, totally, man. Yeah, cool. Um, what's a short list of some of your bands that you've been in? What's some names of bands that you've been in over the years that people may know you from or may not even? <laughs> I think... Um, Obviously, I think most people who probably would recognise your name would know Michling as their first port of call for you. Michling was the, you know, the the one that really I focused on and tried to make something happen with. Yeah. Um, that was a conscious effort with Michling. That I guess at the start that was sort of like we're going to fucking oh, go hard as we can at this. Totally, and you would have been like like thirteen, fourteen at the start of that, or oh what? no, no. When when Michling hit, I guess I was about twenty. Yep, going on twenty one. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'd been playing in the pub scene for a little bit, and I'd played with Tragic Sanity, which. Mm-hmm. Had Chad, yeah, yeah, you know Chad McCamley and yeah. uh, a few of the other guys that haven't really pursued their musical dreams, I yeah, guess. Yeah. But um, well, Shawnee Mitchell, I've got to mention <laughs> him. He's who I'm playing with now. Yeah, yeah. But, um, he did the riff for Corrupt, yeah, 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 yeah. Sure did. Yep. Yeah, he did. The, and Fear of the Unknown. Yeah, yeah. He was he was yeah. the guy behind the heavy side of Fear of the Unknown. But I went through. Um, Basically, there was a band called Disowned, and and I I picked up with those guys, and they had Chad Rogers, who went to play with Pivot and yep. um, Shank D and stuff yeah, yeah. like that, you know. But yeah, he was the first experience I I found that we were on a common feeling of this this grunge scene that yep. was happening at the time, and. So it was a lot of, yeah, I I was really happy with what he was doing riff-wise and yep. songwriting-wise. And and he was close friends with Daniel Johns. And I think that was an interesting aspect as well because mm. uh, when I'd played in Tragic Sanity, we'd played against the Innocent Criminals in a band <laughs> competition. Yeah, yeah. Got beaten by four <laughs> points. Yep. <laughs> still remember them driving off and Chad and I were standing there looking at each other and Chad says to me, they're going somewhere. <laughs> you know, 14 playing the Royal Oak at Cessnock. Yeah, yeah. You know? <laughs> he spotted it. Yeah. 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 I think they we, had I it. Think, did, you, did, you, did you see it? Is, did I ever? Did yeah. I ever? I I seen him play Stare Out of Heaven on... And do the solo of his teeth that yeah, night yeah. at 14, you know. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, he, they were going somewhere. Yeah, yeah. You know, so. Them as a unit or was it more Daniel Johns? Was no, really they, they were, way? they were, they were on their way. They yeah. were well oiled then, you yeah. know. Bandana wearing and Chris <laughs> and stuff like that. But, yeah, they, they were young, but they were really good, yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, it, I think. Tragic Sanity was more of an exposure to the pub scene, more that we played a lot of covers, but mm-hmm. we had a few good originals, yep. and but they were more rock based, yeah, you yeah. know, that pre pre that grunge scene really. Yep. Um, 
not hair metal rock or anything like that, no. but more like 70s, still that sort of 70s vibe. There was no glitz or glam about it, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> there was it was more uh, it was more that pub rock scene. Yeah, yeah. It was more a pub feel, yeah. definitely. We were we were rockers. Building on that Akadaka and Angel yeah, sort of. Definitely. And and they and they were staples in our set, you know, a lot of ACDC and Angel songs in yeah. them them days. Yeah. Um yeah, so I went through from Tragic Sanity and joined Disowned, uh, much to a lot of people's dismay at <laughs> yeah, the time yeah, yeah. because they were wondering where I was going with it. But I, yeah, I really liked Disowned, and they're still real. They were a bunch of really great guys, yep. so still hold a lot of respect for them fellas. But yeah, and that was pre Michelin. Yep, and I just felt with Disowned that. Really, at the latter stages of Disowned is when uh, I discovered Pantera. Yeah, yeah. You know? Started getting into that heavier end of things. Yeah. Look, I'd I'd been into Metallica. I'd I'd seen that, you know, Master of Puppets album and everything. You couldn't go wrong there. But I'd been through that era, but hadn't really discovered Slayer or anything at that point. Mm. But really, I did like the Master of Puppets stuff and Injustice for All, you know? Didn't really go ride the lightning as far as I went back. Yeah, yeah. I didn't go kill them all or anything at that in them days. I didn't really like it. I didn't yep. think it was any good. But, um, you know, sort of went from... And Justice is pretty much more oh, Metallica. It's... And Justice was one killer of an album, yeah. you know. But I think it... Yeah, so I think with Disowned, and I remember saying it to, to Dodge at the time that, you know... I. I'm feeling like I need to go heavier. Yep. And he understood that. Didn't really, (laughs) couldn't see my side, but he understood where I wanted to go. So I think that's where I wanted to take Michelin. And and I'd seen a couple of the boys out of Michelin play in a school band. Yeah. And they did a thing at Rutherford High School. And it was after that night that I was like, hey, man, that, that drummer can play. Yeah, yeah, And they did the old Screaming Jets better, yeah. you know. So And just the whole double kick scene at the end, you yeah. know. And Doc nailed that. And I was like, man, this guy's in high school and he's killing this. Killing so, it, yeah. Yeah. And so anyway, I guess one day I turned up, I'd seen Doc play there. And then I'd seen him play in a, in a band that absolutely blew me away one night. And um, they played the the Queen's Arms, and anyway, well, I'll, I'll take a step back. Yeah. The, the Queen's Arms had never used to do anything, and if it wasn't for Chad and myself going down there, yep. you know, Chad had now formed Swallow Tongue, and yep. I was in Disowned, and we were looking for gigs, and we went to the Queen's Arms, and. Um, Ken and Jan, as lovely as they were, were quite prepared to put on these young, <laughs> the young idiots and just give them yeah. a go. Yep. And it turned into a whole scene and and I'm so stoked yeah. that that we were right at the cusp of Making that, happen. that scene yeah. happening because Maitland had nothing. Yeah. Well sounds awful to say, but it was true. <laughs> we, yeah. we we had we had nowhere that would play original bands. Yeah. It was the Clubhouse or Shakers. Yeah, yeah. You know, and if you weren't playing covers, you weren't going to play the Clubhouse or Shakers. Yeah. So we'd get our, you know, carton for the night. Shakers. I remember going as a kid to Shakers and they had the video <laughs> jukebox there. You'd have the oh. dinner with the parents before they cleared everyone out oh, there. Oh, yeah. You know, i it up. So I never I never experienced it as a nightclub. It was always a restaurant for me. Oh, it, and yeah, Shakers, the restaurant, wasn't much better than Shakers, the club, I tell you. you know? <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it yeah. seemed very rough from memory. It was like, oh, I can't see <laughs> this being a fucking a great venue after hours. Oh yeah, it was yeah, it was one of those spots that you know, you if you didn't smoke, you certainly took in your fair share yeah, back yeah. in them days. <laughs> you know, it's uh, yeah, a lot of lot of covers bands back in that scene. Yeah. But you know, so it was, it was one thing that I, 
I think was a really good thing was that the Queen's Arms did that because it opened up a another avenue and an outlet for people to go to. Yeah. You know, it's um yeah, so we It's the Queen's Arms Hotel in Maitland for anyone who's not yeah. familiar with it, the pub up there. I tried to get some Stuff going there a couple of years ago and whoever's there now is just like, nah, not interested. Nah, and, doing it now. and you know, the room's changed yeah. to what it used to be. Like, there used to be carpeted walls, carpeted floor ceiling. It yep. was the deadest room, but that was what made it brilliant. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It just was not resonant. Mirrored, mirror wall on the back of you. Yep. You know, it was just incredible. So, you know, so we, we moved from being... I guess with with disown to Chad and I standing at at the Queen's Arms one night with with Mick Rudder actually who used to play in uh, a local band in Maitland back in the day struggling to think of their name right now but they were a damn good band too and um, and we were amazed by this drummer mm. he had a broken arm yep. and he was playing double kickers with one foot pedal. Yep. And playing the doing the hats whole and snare with, with one arm, and that was Doc. Yeah, and Jared Doc Payne for anyone who's yeah. not familiar with Doco, he's, oh, he's Doc a living o. legend. He was the first drummer I ever played with at high school at Rutherford. He was up helping someone with the HSC, and I came in and just started playing the Rockin' in the Free World riff by Neil Young, and he just yeah. slammed in with it. Now you know you could not meet a nicer fella. No, really. So. I remember the the day after, I must have been talking to him that night because I found out his address. Yep. And I went around, can of Coke, <laughs> bag of weed. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, Sorted. Yeah. And just hit him <laughs> up if he'd be interested in playing in a band. And, and yeah, he was keen. He's so keen, that's yeah. where it all started. And, you know... I think of our first cover song, you know, we, we lined up a few cover songs and the first cover song we got to line up was War Pigs. And I thought, oh, yeah. this can't be any better. Yeah, yeah. You know, so. <laughs> you hit the golden wicket. <laughs> yeah, so going from playing, you know, Angels to now I'm going to Sabbath. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, Step so. in the right direction. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it was, great. it was great. When did you sort of first realise as a growing up as a youngster, when did you realise you could hold a tune that you... There was something there for you to I think, do vocally. I think I always knew I loved to sing. Yep. And my nan had been a singer. My mum was a closet singer. Yep. And I'd purposely sit in my bedroom for longer than I needed to of a <laughs> morning because my mum would be singing in the kitchen. And you could sit up and hear it. And I could hear what she was singing. She she could whistle like a mother too. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, so... <laughs> She was uh, an incredible singer, and as soon as you'd walk out of that bedroom, it'd all stop. Yeah. So didn't want to. Hear, and yeah. No one so could I'd, to do it. Yeah, I'd, I'd be sitting in the in the bedroom waiting for her, and you know, I'd played in school choirs, mm. and I think it was in third class that I I guess I really knew I could hit a note because they uh they had an audition for the choir, and our teacher at the time was the chick running the choir you know and um and she got everyone lined up and <laughs> walked up to the piano and you know and um i remember she hit the key she went ding and i went this and she went you're in yeah straight away yeah <laughs> so you know and i ended up being the the stand by the piano <laughs> <laughs> the the main singer dude, yeah. you know, and it was like a bit embarrassing and not something that was cool at the time, yeah, you yeah. know. I was the nerdy singer dude that the freckles that no chick <laughs> liked, and Do you still get a bit of a taste of that frontman power there, like being that that focus, that focal point th with I, your voice and nothing else really. I think it's more the fact that I still know the chicks don't like me. <laughs> It's uh, you know, so yeah. Now I yell at them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Give them a reason not to. <laughs> Who were your first sort of big voices that you f fell in with in, in terms of influences for power and also for color of voice? Like, where did you sort of draw your influence oh, from? Wow. Or you was know. it just your own? In you, you know, I don't, I'm sure no one just comes along. No, look, I, I, I think it would have to be. You know, it had to be 
Freddie Mercury, yep. and then it had to be Robert Plant, you know, and and Ian Gillen, you know, they yeah. were the they were the three that I found very just incredible at what they did, and you know, and would make me sit and figure try to figure out what they were doing, yeah, you yeah. know, and so I spent a lot of time. Well, when I was young, I spent a lot of time by myself with my push bike and yep. would sing to myself, you yeah, know. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, I was the loner, I guess. So yeah. I lived miles from all my schoolmates and, you know, was yeah stuck under that long bridge at Maitland yeah, just yeah. <laughs> <laughs> riding BMXs and singing to myself. So, yeah, yeah I was that, that dude there and going, he's a bit dippy, but, you know. He's going to be a muser for sure. Yeah, he's one of them guys, yeah. Were yeah. your parents cool with you doing music was that as yeah, you started I'd, getting into it they were always supportive of you totally supportive i think um i think it you know i'd like to say i think mum was proud you yep. know i think dad was oh it's just steven you know yeah. like that <laughs> you know mum was yeah she was she could see i could hold a note and you know i i, I think that yeah you know it's it's one of those things that you wanted your parents to yeah. be proud of you. Yeah. And so always strive that little bit harder. It's weird Sometimes. too, I guess, when you're younger because you sort of don't want your parents to be into the things you're into, but you still want them to appreciate that you can yeah. do what you're doing. Yeah, to really relate well to what you're doing. Yeah. You know, yeah, I, totally. Especially I, I, I wish to one day play child in time, you yeah, know, yeah. And, and just... <laughs> Give the old man a listen, you know. Yeah. I think he'd be stoked. Yeah, you know? I'd like to hear that too, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hear that, Doc. Hey, we've got to do that one now, mate. That's right. So. <laughs> um, you, any musical family members or anything like that, or you know, do you have? I, I always notice uh, with um, my brother in my brother's wife's family, they sing to each other. You know, there's a lot of singing around the house and. We sort of never had that when I was growing up. If someone would sing you, oh, you fucking, what are you trying to get attention? You show pony, that sort of thing. <laughs> was, there, was there a musical element to the family? Oh, I guess, as you say, your mum sort of wasn't keen to. Yeah, well, de- well, she was. My mum was just uh, an introvert. Yeah, but she she was brilliant. But her her side of the family were just incredible. Her her mum and her aunties were just. They were something else. There was seven sisters and two or three of those were very capable opera singers, you know. Yeah. Like my nan had been asked to join the Sydney Junior Opera uh, yeah. and and choir as a 10-year-old. Yeah. But they lived in Denman and their parents couldn't yeah. afford the drive. Yeah. So she unluckily wasn't able to pursue that dream there. But... You know, it's funny because uh, if it wasn't for singing, I wouldn't be here yeah, because yeah. there's a my in the Second World War, everyone joined the army. Yep. And in Denman, they had a, an army base, and my nan used to be a cook in the army. Yep. And she'd be in the kitchen singing, 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 singing. And anyway, my pop started hearing this lady singing yeah, nice. and he um, stood outside the window and listened to her sing yeah. until one day she looked out the window and seen him standing there and that's <laughs> how they met. Yeah, that's cool. Know? So, yeah, so I, I guess if it if it wasn't for singing, that's it, where man. would I be? Origin you know? of life for you. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> right. Um, what else do you do other than singing? You know, you play uke. I've seen you play peppercorns and beer bottles yeah. for <laughs> percussion. And <laughs> well, I'll, I'll grab anything that makes a noise and try and, and tune try it up. And get it in you there. know, so yeah. No, I, I, I like to try and play guitar. I'm, oh, I'm not a guitarist, asshole. Yeah. yeah. Do you I, write songs on guitar? Is that you, you, yeah? You, I do. Yeah. I do. I I'll present an idea and. Usually someone will scrap that and write a better idea. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they'll go, yeah, that's better. We'll yeah. do that. You know? so. But you'll have a framework in your head of what you, you know, you, you know what chords you're sort of working around with yeah. ideas. Yeah, you well, at least, and... yeah, at least it helps me pitch, you yeah. know. So I can, I can run through, you know, sit and run through scales and do stuff like that and sing along to it and tune my voice yeah. up and 
Yeah, so yeah, cool. that's that's about the only it's goodness that comes out of my guitar. <laughs> <laughs> um, what's what's your current project list looking like? What are your currently active bands that you're currently in right now? Um, I'm doing some heavy stuff, some real heavy stuff with whatever and yep. that's got Shawnee Mitchell and Ryan that's Hornby. the band name whatever whatever's yep. the band name yep. yep and basically it's it's got elements of thrash death metal yep and it's uh look it's it's the new excitement for me yep. right now and I've been I've been working with Ryan for a lot of years and ever since Cigars for the Man you know which yep was around 2008 2009 we were playing live but i've found a just a common vibe where we seem to know each other yeah. we feel good what we play we don't we can push each other without being condescending or it coming across yeah, yeah. the wrong way and we always get the best out of each other so i've pursued this thing with ryan we did have a a really good drummer in in Reese Fairbairn, but um, who I played with in Picnic at Hanging Rock, which yep. was a, a project after Cigars for the Man. But Reese at the moment is very busy in the fact that he's a guitar player now, yeah, yeah. <laughs> as well as as well as one damn shit hot drummer. Yeah. But he's um, he's pursuing his thing in another Newcastle band at the moment, so. He's too busy to really be playing the drums for yeah, us, yeah. you know. Either that or we just suck and he doesn't like us anymore. <laughs> uh, it, that might be the truth. He never said it that way, but I could see it in his eyes. Do. You know, <laughs> we could see it. <laughs> that's your main project at the moment that yeah, you got rolling? That, well, that's the main one. I'm, I'm, doing, uh, I'm doing the ukulele thing where I've been writing a concept album basically <laughs> – it's it's a sad thing to say, conspiracy theory based thing, but it, I guess it is. It's about opening your eyes, about yep. seeing what's real, and stop being a sheep, um, a sheep of society of the mainstream media. Yep. It makes me fucking mad. <laughs> so that's what it's about, and and basically it's it's about a concept album that's going to involve songs and poetry yep so it's uh it's on its way yeah, yeah. but it's it's not no my main fixed, focus no, sort of you haven't set a date to say i want it out by this time it'll just take it'll take its natural time i to... think i need to start doing yeah. that <laughs> because i've had so many things in the past where i've had a passion and then it just peters out and the flame dies but i, I think this one i need to sit down and go no, I've got to see this through. So yeah, yeah. I'd like to say, I'd like to set a date. I'm scared to set a date. Yeah, yeah. I'd like to say, you know what? By Friday the 13th, <laughs> 2019, yeah. you know, it's yeah. going to happen. Yeah, yeah. So anyway. Fingers that's, crossed. That's, well, that's what we're pursuing, you know. It's uh Get and that's something. Just you, that's a solo project that you're doing. Yeah, that's there? that's right. It's yeah, yeah it's just me. you. Or you getting some drum patterns there? Not at all. No, it's just very airy. It's just going to be you and maybe just it's it's more just effects and stuff on yeah. the uke and uh, yeah, just going that way about it, you know, rather than trying to trying to find beats and stuff and find people to play it yeah. and that side of things. It's just we going nuts. I'm doing this. Yeah, yeah. I'll get this down. Get I can do it myself and I will do it. Yeah. You know? yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, nice. Um, with, you've, you've been obviously doing bands for so long. Is there a part of you that still thinks that you could do music as a full-time thing or you've, you've given up on that essentially as being a full-time professional musician and it's, you just do what you can. What's that? I'd, what does that look like as a goal for you in terms of, being a musician i i don't i don't think that um i'll ever be blessed enough to go you know what i can make this a a career based on this is going to cover the bills yeah yeah but 
what I want to do now, I guess, is make an album in the genres that I like playing and really turn some turn some heads and make some people go, hey, shit, yeah. these old guys can do something <laughs> good, you know? Yeah. So there's still a value in that, just that local recognition, obviously. It's, it's, not, it's not that it's the reason I'm doing it. Yeah. But it's certainly nice as a, it's nice to have your mates and your peers enjoy something you do. Yeah. Um, it's just been a bit unlucky, I guess, in the last few years that things haven't turned into fruition where I've been able to play the live shows because I think with myself, I project better in live performance yep. than I than I do on an album and yep. I'm trying to work that out yeah, now yeah. and get that balance I'd agree with right. that. I think you are in your specific element on stage just letting go with that sort of stuff. It's it's certainly somewhere I, yeah, yeah. I like to let go and, and let it, let myself be myself. Yeah, yeah. You know? <laughs> we'll have a look at some of your, I guess, as I said before, sort of, I guess, most people's interests who do know you would be through Michling. Um, you've sort of given us an idea of how they got together. Tell The name Michling is, uh, I know it, but give yeah. us a, a background for what Michling well, is. Well, when... When Smithy actually turned up with the the title Michling, we were we were in rehearsals and working out a band name. And at the time, we were rehearsing at the uh, at the Music Factory yep. in Newcastle back in the day. And he came in with a whole heap of different names. And the Oracle of Arl was <laughs> one of them. I've never forgotten. But um, Michling Third Degree came out and I thought, what the hell is that? What's yeah. Michelin third degree? And then he explained it to me and I thought, well, this suits us down to a T because this was back in the day when people were, and we were trying to do the same, people were forming music that had different styles and these styles were melding together. But basically out of pieces that shouldn't have fitted together. Yeah, yeah. And the whole the whole theme of Mischling was not that, hey, we're some German Nazi that raped some Jewish lady, you yeah. know. It's like, no, and the and the kid that was born yeah. was the Because that's, that's the definition of Mischling, yeah. It's well, an yeah, as, as awful as that from, sounds, yeah. that's exactly what it was. And, you know, it's... Um, We'll never play a gig in Austria, put it that way. But <laughs> was there concern with coming up with a name like that? That you you sort of put peop some people, I guess, on a certain back foot? Only instantly? after the fact. Yeah, yeah. Only after the fact when I had my grandmother in tears yeah. about it. That yeah, was yeah. that was a real eye opener. But I think at the time I was more about yeah, look, we're putting things, two things together that shouldn't be together. We're putting yeah, yeah. this style of music with that style of music and the combination of these styles of music yeah. is what Michelin is. Yeah. And, and, that's, and that's what we fed on, yeah. you know. And, yeah, we, uh, yeah, we wore some heavy, <laughs> some heavy crowds because yeah. of that title, yeah. you know. Yes, so. I remember you saying the uh, MXPX guys didn't oh. uh, didn't take kindly oh. to you. <laughs> dog well, bite you. dog bite! I've never got <laughs> off the stage. I never got off the stage. They wanted to fight me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I don't know if it was more more the fact that we were called Michelin or the fact that I wore a monk's outfit with a cross <laughs> on at the time, and it was. Uh, yeah, I think it was a combination of Should everything. The Christian and, boys of MXPX. Yeah, I tell you what, that you know. They can't fight. <laughs> They're not from Maitland, you know. So yeah, yeah, they yeah, they had the work cut out for them. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Ad lib, Stephen can't fight. <laughs> and the idea, pretty much, as you say, from the start was to go flat knackers as hard as you could at Michelin being, yeah, a, a, a band. I was back in the day. Um, I guess I've learned a lot 
because of this thought as well is that you push you push as a band to get somewhere yeah and i think that to all the young kids i'd like to say now don't focus so much on pushing for the band to get somewhere but push the band to make some shit hot music yeah music that you're proud of make them songs what you want them to be yeah and the management everything else will fall into place you'll get the gigs you'll get the supports yeah you'll be that band you want to be if you do that do you think there's too many bands who put that that cart before the horse but like well we want to be rich and they don't they don't focus on well these are actual kick-ass songs that we have crafted and love and yep. can stand a hundred percent behind. I totally, I totally believe that, and I totally also believe that a bad management or a bad producer, if you're doing an album, yep. can ruin that for you as well. I think you need to be true in what you believe you are with your band. Yep. Know your limits. Find your limits to know your limits. Yeah, yeah. You gotta push yeah, you your gotta limits. Work out, to them, work, yeah. work out what they are. Work out what you what you like doing, what you're good at. Even if you're not good at it, but you like doing it, keep yeah. doing it because you eventually you'll be good at what yeah, you yeah. do. And that that's so important. I think you know to find the sounds you want yeah. as a band, to find where everybody sits in the pocket. Yeah, it all takes time and. With that comes rehearsal. Yeah. You know, like you can't you can't just sit, write ideas, do one rehearsal and then do an awesome show. Yeah. You're a damn very lucky band if you do. If you get that. If run. you do. Yeah. And you know, look I think it is my belief is as much as the album, the album is paramount for what you want, mm-hmm. if if you want to have a memory of something, that album should be that memory. Yeah. But if you if you want to enjoy what you do, do the gigs, know the sound you got, yep. and know how to pull that sound. Get the people on side. Get the get the sound man. Get you know. Because the sound, the wrong sound, man, Yeah, yeah. just, you'll never sound good. You'll always walk off stage disappointed. You need to be able to do a show and be that stoked yep. at the end of that show that nothing else matters. That's all you can think about. That's right. That you can't and... wait for that next yeah, show yeah. after that, yeah. you know? Do you guys have management with Michelin? Was that something you guys engaged? Or? We we did. We had a few different managers over the time. Was and that a conscious effort from the start to have management, or that sort of picked up speed as you well, moved along as a band? I I started as the manager, I guess. Um, usually, uh, someone internal will take that role. Yeah, on for a while. you know, I, I I was pushing us to get gigs and trying to get. I think we were trying at the time. There was a there was a lot going on in Sydney yep. back in the day, and we were as much as we love playing the Queen's Arms and Newcastle. Yep. We were trying to push for that for that Sydney spot, and yep. then you know get that dream of a big support on a big stage. Yeah, yeah. You know, and you know you you get to do that, and you realise that. Oh shit! That <laughs> band just blew the blew us apart. Yeah, you yeah. know that we we thought we sounded unreal, and then this other band come out and they just actual professional. Uh, yeah, and they were yeah. professional and they had it all together. And there's a there's a lot of steps I think that a lot of people miss out on. Yeah, I I do recommend that somebody finds not just a manager. But a mentor, someone who understands what they want to do yep. and helps them get what they want to do, not shapes them to do something that they yeah, yeah. can make money or be marketable. Yeah. So you find value in, in obviously having somebody on your team with that same vision who's, who's primarily not invested in being the guitarist in the band. This is their role in the, they're totally. essentially a band member yeah like a, well, well well totally I, I think um 
these days it's it's almost like uh with Ryan and myself and and Shawnee Mitchell yep. like we 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 sit we don't really have to explain too much we just know yeah. what feels good and we know if it doesn't feel good yep. that we don't really need someone else to bring it up we just know that we need to do something else there but we don't force it anymore like i think i used to have trouble where I needed an answer there and then. And instead of just going, right, just pull that song up for now. Yep. We'll come back to that, revisit it. I was like, no, I need an answer. (laughs) This song's got to be done. You know, it needs to be finished. But I think the best songs are ones that just happen naturally. And, you know, there's, I find when I write songs that lyrically, I'll write in a, in a five-minute period, there goes the whole song. Yeah, yeah. But when that, as soon as that lyric clicks and something happens, I go, I need to shut the world off for a minute because I've got yeah. to pull over here, and, <laughs> you know, and you know, I might be in a traffic jam. I've got to, sorry, here goes the hazards. I've got to write this, you know. <laughs> and and, and, that's how, and that's how I write rather than little bit by little bit. But I, I think that's... You know, everyone has their own way, and I think it's it comes back to knowing your own way. Yeah. You know, and 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 again, believing in yourself, not not being too judgmental of yourself, and not being not being swayed by criticism. Yep. Because who are these critics anyway? Yeah. Who are the yeah. critics? Like, like, be yourself. Yeah. And at least the critics can say at the end of the day, you're yourself. Yeah. You know, they mightn't like what you do, but <laughs> you're yourself. Yeah. And that's so much more important to me now. Yeah. 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 With Micheling, again, from Maitland, gig mostly new. Do you feel a tie to the Newcastle scene from there or the Maitland scene? Where was Micheling most active? Oh, look, I'd, I'd have to say Micheling was a Maitland band. Yep. Um, in Newcastle... Newcastle had a we had a a lot of people jumping on the boat with us and certainly would turn up to gigs back in the old SJ's days yep. or you know Hunter on Hunter and yeah, stuff yeah. like that you know those great old venues RIP the Hunter on Hunter oh, what a cracker of a what, a, what, what a what a spot shithole, but what a <laughs> the only spot I ever played with no PA and <laughs> and an exit light as our light you know <laughs> <laughs> the old telephone booth on the stage yeah. there. A oh, you here. couldn't beat that joint. You couldn't beat it. <laughs> I remember seeing Devolved come through, I think it was, and they look, took one look at the stage and like, we're not even fucking setting up here. <laughs> yeah. you know, they, well, they wouldn't have fitted there, would no, they? You know, no, get, get John, John the drummer his, out. And yeah, then, yeah, I yep. think Uncle John could fit his kid on the, yeah, that's it. the stage they had there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, some great memories of the Hunter on Hunter. The yeah. only gig you had to pay 50 bucks to go and play. How difficult was it for you to get gigs back then? Was it you just approach venues or you had management looking after that stuff for you or was it a bit of a combination? We sold our soul to play gigs pretty much. Yeah. You um, you never – it always costs you money and it, and it nearly always will cost you money to play a local original gig unless yeah. unless someone like the Jays yeah. that's mainstream now <laughs> will pick you up and give you a hand. Um you can look you can appeal to the right you i think you need to go searching and really learn who's out there who's the management of that pub or yeah. that yeah who's Wherever booking these be. gigs and, yeah, yeah. and 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 chase them and be yeah. relentless yeah. be in their ear and you know but at the same time You've got one chance, hmm. and if you haven't got the package, don't ruin that chance till you have. Yeah, yeah. You don't Something go and approach him with one song that's on a on a disc that's not finished yet, yeah, yeah. you know, and and ask for a gig. Yeah, you won't get it. Yeah. You, you know, they music is a business, unfortunately. Do you think Michelin would have done better now than you did back in the day, or? Oh, 
exponentially. Yep. I think we I think we're a much better band now. I think I think a lot of our passion to do the hard yards is not where it used to be. Yep. Um, we're a lot I guess we're a lot fitter mentally. Yep. But now we're a lot more uh, comfortable, I guess, in in the fact that if we had to do something, we've got something we can offer, and yeah. and we'll make the show. And and based on that, look, you know, we can be pretty convincing now. Where I was like almost having to pull the wool over people's eyes back in the day yeah, to, yeah. to go, come on, <laughs> give us a go, come on, you yeah. know, we can do this and trust us. Yeah. yeah. I think the EP came out around 1999, 2000, was it, around there? Yeah, I think it was, I think it was, yeah, 98, 99, and You yeah. would have been picked up pretty quickly after that for Henry Zango, is that right? How that situation Yeah, from... well, look, oh, you got to be brutally honest. What was happening with Michelin is uh, we're, we're on a downward spiral. Yep. And the reason just why personally, a, or well, we'll have a management issues with a with a certain oh, certain member of management at the time, yeah. and and <laughs> not that it was his fault. It was just that, um, I guess he was steering us in a direction, and that wasn't really his role. Yeah, yeah. and I didn't feel it is it was his role. I guess the boys were not really observing that fact and they were just keen to roll with it yeah but um you know it yeah he brought that down so I, I i felt and yeah when he had a punch up and it and it got to the point where you know i went am that gutted after that just thinking what's happening to this band yeah. this guy's ruining us yeah. you know and and anyway things led from there and it was quite funny because Henry's anger had been in uh, a studio down in Newcastle, uh, Newcastle, down in Sydney at the time, and they had just recorded their personality test album. Yep. And we go in there to record a song, and their posters were all over the shop. Yep. And this guy's telling us about how awesome this band is, and. All of a sudden, I'm getting asked to audition for this band, <laughs> and then it's like, "Hey, that's these guys. I remember seeing them, you know." And yeah. and then heard what they were doing. I was like, "Hey, this is this is pretty damn good. This guy can sing, yeah. you know." And yeah, uh, that was one of the most intimidating <laughs> intimidating things I've ever had to do was go and fill in for Jamie out of Henry's anger. Yeah, yeah. You know, like he was he was one damn hell of a singer yeah. you know and still to this day blows blows me away when i hear that album yeah you know and they obviously did well to they were a no national band yeah. at that time really in that that heavy alternative well, sort of sound yeah totally and they'd had a couple of albums out at that point and uh you know world-class musicians too yeah. you know like matt and patty coffee like you know rod yates yeah they were, they, they were just they were they were tight they were, they were you know you never got to record with henry zenger for we, anything released did you nothing got released and you know it was probably i'm probably glad about that yep um due to the fact that i there was a part of part of my own self that didn't feel comfortable there yeah. and i and i did you feel like a fill-in sort of thing is that how you felt or was it i felt I I felt certainly that way in the early gigs, yep. um, but it was more I think that I felt uh, I didn't know where to take the songs. Yeah, I felt like taking them to a heavier genre, and yet I felt that the label wouldn't be happy or yep. some. I always felt this need to hold back with that band. You know, yeah, it's um, unfortunate. Sort of a lack of ownership. I think so. For, you, I, for the music, I, yeah. I think so. I, you know, I felt that they wrote the songs and I wrote the lyrics, yep. and we worked out how I was going to sing it, yeah, not yeah. me, you know. Yeah. And uh, so I think that was a little. It was a, oh, it's a great experience, but yeah. great experience. And 
you know, to this day, I'd never trade playing that time yeah yeah metal yeah. for the brains and big day outs yeah, yeah. and stuff like that for anything you know yeah. supporting things like skin lab and yeah, yeah. you know ah oh, oh, great how long times. did that period last with henry zanger that was for a couple of years was it no, it was it seemed short from, from it my was memory, very was it? short uh, it was very short <laughs> unfortunately it was um she was all over by oh probably the Oh, I think it was Christmas 2000. Yeah. Um, so I joined them in late 99. Yep. And by Christmas 2000. You relocated ACT and everything. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah went, went down there. And unfortunately, the drummer had, oh, you know, just had a infatuation with someone that he shouldn't have been infatuated <laughs> with. And, you know... Things led to uh, basically the band getting, losing management and yep. stuff because of that. And, it, yeah, the band pretty... I remember all in one afternoon, it went, label, ring. Yeah. Oh, sorry, email. You're not going to... We're sorry, we don't think this band is viable anymore. To management, sorry this band is not going to be on our lab, on our yeah, management yeah. anymore. And then, then drummer, um, sorry, I'm not playing in the band anymore. Yeah. And I was like, this is all in one afternoon. <laughs> and I was just like, the what, the, what the hell has happened here? You know? And yeah, yeah it, was, it was just very sad, oh, sad, sad for me because it, we'd worked so hard. Like yeah. the partner I had at the time and myself had, relocated our whole life and i'd put everything into it yeah, yeah. you know to to try and uh you know do my try part of the bargain and yeah, yeah. and and do this thing and make it work you know and we had oh we had u.s tours ready we had everything going ready you know and it's um yeah and then you move to cryogenic <laughs> And that happens again. I was going to you know say. I mean? you st did you stay in ACT for a while and try and I make the best of it, or did you cut and pull pull up? I pretty much pulled pulled stumps up within the month. Yep. was back in Maitland. Yeah, back home. And yep. um, yeah, because we were we we're out on a property out like we were east of Canberra, <coughs> so we were living out at um, oh, a place called Jerabagulla, which was about. 20k out of a place called Braidwood yep. so we were in between Batemans Bay in Canberra was yeah, where yeah. I was living on this 100 acre property you know and it was beautiful property but so isolated yeah, yeah. you know and just you and your partner at the yeah, time and in yeah, the middle of nowhere yeah so it was unfair for her to <laughs> keep her suffering yeah, while yeah. I went to work in Canberra every day and she'd be stuck at this house by herself with yeah. this, you know, TV that, you know, we were picking up snow. <laughs> That's all you got, two channels and it was, <laughs> you had to blur your eyes to watch TV, yeah. you know. It was, uh, yeah. So you packed up, a, packed in a job at Maitland to go to Canberra and had to do yeah. the same again. Yeah, pack it all come in, back come to back. Maitland, yeah. And, um, yeah, so came back to Maitland and, Jump back in with some the boys from Michling, yeah. and by that time they'd been working with um, Tony Reese. This and is the making belief period. Yeah, so right? this yeah. is where the making belief started happening, and it was originally called Pacifist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Corby, for that one. Pacifist. Pacifist. Like yeah, <laughs> and um, and ended up being yeah ended up becoming making belief. I, you know, I think Tony and I came up with that name it's not the best of names i don't know how we came <laughs> across that one but anyway so we we rolled with that and that was some damn good music too but that there was, was good music man i personally yeah. have great memories of getting demos off you guys and yeah I think you did two shows at the cambo yeah we did we did one at the cambo i believe and i've got a feeling that might be it yeah, yeah. Actually. it was very brief yeah it was I knew we, uh, I knew we did our ass actually financially, and that was a real disappointment. You, you know, one of those shows at the Cambo where you're paying 
you know, I got Adrian Gregoria from down at Sydney to come and be our sound man. Yeah, yeah. So he was 300 bucks for the night, you know. <laughs> so all of this stuff added up. We paid these support acts and got about 10 people in the door. <laughs> but it absolutely flogged down yeah. rain you know you knew on the day this isn't going to be good be... you know this is yeah oh, damn here we go. you're just brooding and yeah. waiting for it to... yeah 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 <laughs> for a long time there it seemed that every time i did a gig it would pour rain yeah, yeah. you know <laughs> or i'd get the flu the day before yeah <laughs> so what brought the making belief to an end was that cryo opportunity come along or i think um Look, I as much as I thought maybe cryo well to be honest with you, cryo happened before making belief did. Yep. But what had what had happened was um uh, well, so I jammed with them fellas and then, then I got picked up by cryo. Yep. Then I went to cryo. Yeah, yeah. Then I came back and then we jammed again and then <laughs> for making belief, you know. But it was, I think it was more the fact that Doco wasn't comfortable in the band yeah. and he left and... It was essentially Michelin with Tony Rees, the lineup. Yeah, yeah it was, yeah. yeah. And, you know, and it was, it was a damn good band. But to be honest with you, that was still... I think there were still things I I did wrong, yeah. you know, and whether that, and well, I'll say whether that, I know <laughs> that that was a part of why Doc left, yeah, yeah. you know, and, and rightfully so because he wasn't being treated right and, yeah. you know, we were trying to push this big, let's be this big band again, you know, and it's another one of those learning lessons. Yeah, yeah. You just don't. <laughs> Push for things. <laughs> Let the band be the band. Let it you know, breathe, let yeah. people do what they do. Don't try to tell people what to do. Yeah. You know? So cryo, did you get referred there from someone you knew through your Henry Zanger contacts or how did you come to they, their attention? They had seen me um, play with Henry's a few times and, and I'd played with them, you know, big day out. Remember they played after us and, yep. you know, talked to Steve Esser, you know, and, Got to be pretty good mates with those guys, yeah. you know, and they and they were great, you know. We used to play for Alchemist a lot, and yeah. they were playing for Alchemist a lot, and yeah. So it was one of these things that I got to, you know, they were the Bogans of Sydney, yeah, yeah, and you know, <laughs> and Henry's were the classy men of Canberra, you know. But so I was, I guess, I felt a little bit, you know, west westy. Yeah, yeah. They were westy, and yeah. and we got along really well, and. Anyway, I got a phone call one day when I was living at Maitland and it was Jenk from Cryo and he asked me to come down and have an audition telling me what had sort of happened with Sloan, their old singer. Yep. And um, and at first I was very reluctant because I just, I just felt like the scene had yeah. chewed me up and spat me out, you know. But, um, you know, he was able to convince me, though, you know, look, it'll be different. Yeah. Just give it a go. Don't, you know, don't feel scarred, as he said at the time. <laughs> and I went down and gave it a go and, yeah, got a migraine on the first song. I loved it, you know. So sold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I, I don't think we'll, any of us will ever forget that first audition. So. <laughs> you um, didn't, again, didn't get much, nothing released with Cryo? Nothing re recorded. released. We did a... We did a, a demo, um, and the demo was a <laughs> was a lot of fun, yeah. um, and it and it was pretty good. It was, but it was a different style of music to what Cryo had been doing, and that wasn't my fault. And I think a lot of people felt that when I joined that band, I changed who they were. They had already changed who they were. Yeah, you know, I just jumped into the new the new car, so to speak. Yeah, they yeah. got out of the Commodore and into a Lamborghini, <laughs> you know. And, yeah. Um, yeah, so a lot of the, the death metal roots that were there in their earlier days had disappeared and they were finding this, I guess, new metal scene yeah, yeah. that was hitting big at the time. And uh, 
So I jumped in and gave that a go because yeah. I could actually sing the parts, <laughs> yeah, not yeah. just have to belt them out. And I'm not saying Sloan couldn't, but I'm sure Sloan totally wouldn't have. Yeah, you know. Style. Well, they had they had demos with Sloan, and they ended up being some of the songs that I redid yeah, because yeah. Sloan did them perfect. So I just did them like Sloan did them, yeah, you yeah. know. And yeah. that that were a lot of that were a lot of fun. It was, I guess, it was the. Uh, the whole issue with Cryo was that we they already had a scene and I didn't want them to change. Yeah, yeah. But they were over doing what they were they, doing. Yeah. And and they had every right to do what they wanted to yeah. do. So they did what they did and yeah, yeah. we changed. <laughs> <laughs> so the, for, my memory might be incorrect on this, but the Faithful Night, then you had your... Return local show, played at the Cambo. Yes. I was there. I remember, yeah. you, you, again, as you say, it seemed to be a good camaraderie with you in the band. Everything fit. The show was killer. Yep. Then yeah, you, it, was a, it was a great night. It was a great night. home after the gig and what, yeah, what not that on? not that particular not night. Not that night. No, that was, it, it was, was very about close a, to it, yeah? Yeah, it was about a week later. Yep. Yeah, about a week later. We were, um, we were in Sydney and we were having our leaving show. Um, Stitched up to go to the states. Yeah, yeah. Few things out there, or did you have? De- there was definite things. Oh no, we had everything sorted. Yeah, yep. we had we had the gigs already. We had had our management go overseas. He yep. was now working for uh, Atlantic, mm-hmm. and he was like the A and R guy for Atlantic. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> you know, way. we had the <laughs> the people in the know were right yeah. where we needed them. Well in the door. Oh yeah, yeah. and. Um, yeah, and they and there was gigs ready to go, and first stop was you know Sunset Strip. Yeah, so that's where we were heading, yeah, yeah. and um, yeah. all these gigs like Viper Room and stuff like that, and yeah, and so we had a little see you later party down in yeah. Sydney, and all the reps and everything came along and wished us well, and anyway, I uh, got away from that a bit too late. Yep. And I had to. I'd had a couple of beers, so yeah. I had to wait for that. Wait for it to get yeah, out of the system you know, and get yeah, settle, settle down a bit, and drove home a bit late and fell asleep. Yeah, rolled my car just just north of Morissette. Yeah, yeah. You know, and broke a few ribs and totaled my car and yeah. totaled myself, and and it was <laughs> at that point you're going to be three months before you can breathe properly again. Yeah, yeah. You know, so I had pretty much. Yeah, we went into crisis mode and decided that they had to go because they had... They had every opportunity there. Well, and not just that. Like, Hanno had sold his house to go. You know what I mean? So, you know, you had people with massive commitments and they had to go. And so they did and and, uh, auditioned a whole heap of singers until they found one that actually went out from Australia to go out yeah, and meet yeah. them. And, um, yeah, unfortunately, he ruined it for them. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, so the poor fellas, you know, like, it didn't go well for them over there at all. They yeah, got yeah. to play some great gigs and <laughs> hang with some cool people, you yeah. know, but, yeah, at the end of it, it it sort of fizzled out for them. Yeah. The, uh, so it was about three-month recovery time for you after that? Before you could, as you say, even really do anything. Yeah, I I was, uh, yeah, at least three months. Yeah, yeah. I living up home at Mayland, or you? Yeah, were, I was living you'd, you'd it back at Mayland. Yeah, Mayland and I, I was, yeah, I was living it. Yeah, I was just travelling to Sydney for rehearsal at the time, yeah. and um, yes, to living in Mayland, and yeah, it, yeah, it's it's one thing that people that have had a broken rib will know. Yeah. You know, you break a few. Yeah, and. It lets you know you can't cough, you can't breathe, you can't do anything, yeah. and you can't lean over, you yeah. can't tie a shoelace. <laughs> it's and it's yeah, it's a long time. You How know? did you and, find it from a, a mental point of view? You, you'd had Henry's before, Cryo now. It's, it was, did you get bitter? You know, was there a temptation to get? I got bitter at myself. Yeah. I got, I did. I got bitter at myself and. You know, and I guess that was one of the things that when when I went into making belief after that, I yeah. felt like, fuck this, I'm... Yeah, yeah. 
I'm going to do this this time. Yep. You know, I, I've got something to say. I know the ropes. I've yep. seen it. <laughs> I can do this, you yeah. know. And and unfortunately, that's not the right attitude to have, <laughs> you know. It's um, you, it's the totally the wrong attitude. You need to have the attitude of, fuck it. Like, let's write some hell songs. yeah. Let's write the songs. Who gives a shit about where you play Making next week? There's always a gig. Yeah. The gig will always come. You Was know? that a chip you had on your shoulder for a bit? Yeah, of, totally. You know, and, and thinking you should have been here with everything. If hadn't, if this I, hadn't happened, I could know, have been I there. I still and, think about it. I, yeah. I, I still think about those things with Henry's, with Michling, yep. with Cryo yep. today. You know, yeah. it's... You know, and it's one of those things that I sort of, I guess I consider it a part of me as a drive to go, you know what, I'll do what I do and, (laughs) and, and I will see these awesome gigs again. I will do it, but when I do it this time, there'll be no, there'll be no sort of regrets of anything. It'll be like, nah. Everything's in place because the music was right first. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. As long as the music... It's the bottom line. Why play music if it's all about playing a gig? Yeah. Play the music play because you enjoy the music. Then go play the gig because yeah. the music was good. Yeah, yeah. You know? How do you find that balance of... I guess we, we talked about this with Troy in the last issue. Um, with uh, I guess mental health being sort of intrinsically tied with people who do these creative endeavors you've sort of been on that cusp of mm. getting to that next level or at least getting that that footing onto the next level how does that yeah how do you keep your head above water in terms of when it does you know you, you obviously would have felt i would say the pinch of depression and things like that during oh, those periods and look i i think it's um it's definitely upsetting. It's yeah. definitely upsetting and it, and it breaks your heart. It's yeah. like, what? Well, there's nothing worse than being in a band you love playing and, and the people you love playing with and to have, for some reason, that band's not together anymore. It's like breaking up a relationship yeah. of your closest partner, you know, like, and to have it happen a few times and you <laughs> meet the these people and you get so close to these people and that and and they are your best mates not that you know you just seem to meet more and more and more best mates and and meet these beautiful people and you know at the end of the day i've played some great gigs i've played with some unreal people unreal musicians and I've got to experience these fun times. So if if it burns out and it comes to a an ending, then I really think I need to realise in myself that yeah, yeah. these people are still there. Yep. You know, that doesn't change. Yeah. You've still got these beautiful people. You know, you and shouldn't share experiences. Yeah, you know, and you and you can always go back and and relive that yeah you know rather than sit there and just ponder on oh how life sucks because you didn't get to go to the u.s when you had broken ribs yeah yeah. you know (laughs) (laughs) you know well there's more to life you know yeah 